This is Garrison Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. Happy Hump Day, everyone. I hope you and yours are having a week full of blessings thus far. And before we get to the news, just a reminder it's Christmas. So now's a good time to join our club. During December, the first 75 people to upgrade or join our Gold or Platinum Club membership will get our 32-ounce Kodiak Christmas water bottle and a free subscription to our Fight, Laugh, East magazine. By joining the Fight, Laugh, East Army, not only will you be aiding in our fight to take down secular and legacy media, but you'll also get access to content placed in our club portals, such as past shows, all of our conference talks, and exclusive content for club members that you won't be able to find anywhere else. Lastly, you'll also get discounts for our conferences. We don't have the big money of woke media, and so our club members are crucial in this fight. So join the movement, join our army, and you can sign up right now at FightLaughFeast.com. Now, let's get to the news. Lawmakers unveil bipartisan bill that aims to ban TikTok in the U.S. Praise God. Let's hope this one passes. A new bill from the bipartisan group of lawmakers, if passed, would ban TikTok in the U.S. after years of broad concern across the Trump and Biden administrations about potential Chinese government influence on the company. Social media stocks, including Meta and Snap, were positive Tuesday when the news broke. Meta shares were up more than 6% and Snap was up by more than 3% as of late morning. TikTok, owned by Chinese company ByteDance, has raised fears in the U.S. that Chinese government officials could gain access to U.S. user data under Chinese law that could compel the company to hand over information. TikTok has insisted U.S. user data is safely stored outside of China, which it says should keep it out of the reach of government officials. But the company's reassurances have done little to turn down the heat on TikTok. The Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S. is in talks with the company about how to resolve some of the data concerns, though a solution has reportedly been delayed. FBI Director Chris Wray testified before Congress recently that he's extremely concerned about the Chinese government's potential influence through TikTok on U.S. users. The new bill, introduced by Senator Mark Rubio of Florida and Reps Mike Gallagher, Wisconsin, and Raja, I'm not even going to try that, that one of Illinois would ban all transactions from any social media company in or under the influence of China, Russia, and several other foreign countries of concern, according to a press release. The Anti-Social CCP Act, which stands for Averting the National Threat of Internet Surveillance, Oppressing Censorship and Influence, and Algorithmic Learning by the Chinese Communist Party, explicitly names ByteDance and TikTok as subject to the restrictions in the bill, unless and until the date on which the president certifies to Congress. Congress that the company no longer meets any of the conditions described, such as being subject to substantial influence by a country of concern. Quote, it is troubling that rather than encouraging the administration to conclude its national security review of TikTok, some members of Congress have decided to push for a politically motivated ban that will do nothing to advance the national security of the United States. That's according to a TikTok spokesperson. We will continue to brief members of Congress on the plans that have been developed under the oversight of our country's top national security agencies plans that we are well underway of implementing to further secure our platform in the united states that again was according to the tiktok spokesperson ron desantis moving on down to florida back in the news ron desantis to investigate covid vaccine related injuries During a Tuesday morning roundtable with health regarding COVID-19 mRNA vaccine accountability, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announced that he will be petitioning for a statewide grand jury to investigate any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to COVID-19 vaccines. And then finally, and, and this is exciting, 
Uh, we've seen uh, over the past few years uh, really the, the bankruptcy uh, of the public health establishment. You know, we've seen a lot of ridiculous partisanship. I mean, I'll never forget that after hectoring people in April of 2020, uh, you can't leave your house. They were all upset at Florida because people were on the beach and playing golf and all this stuff. Uh, that if you left your house, you were almost like a bad person until you started to have George Floyd protests. And you had massive numbers of people that are meeting to protest. And these public health people wrote a letter where like hundreds, maybe thousands of them signed saying, yes, we don't think you should be leaving your house normally, but we endorsed the protests and basically said that it was important that people went out even in big groups and protested. And then they said in the letter that does not mean they support protests for other things like people that wanted to protest lockdowns. And so if that just didn't take the mask off and just just show, you know, that this is all just a huge political farce, I don't know what is. But the reality is, even this in May of June of 2020, uh, I think you've continued to see people uh, in these bureaucracies and in this establishment behave in ways uh, that have totally squandered any type of confidence or goodwill that people would have. And our CDC at this point, anything they put out, you just assume at this point uh, that it's not worth the paper that it's printed on. And so it's not serving a useful function. It's really serving to advance narratives rather than do evidence-based medicine. And so in Florida, the Surgeon General actually has the ability uh, to convene uh, panels of experts to do uh, so various things. And so we thought it was important, particularly me talking with other governors, to say, okay, because CDC will say these things, and then people will think, well, because they're saying it, then we have to do it. And maybe not quite as much anymore because people have lost confidence, but you still see it. We had to fight it with the masking in the schools because the, the, the school districts were citing CDC as the reason why they wanted to do it. We had to come and overrule that. Uh, but it was difficult because they were being put as an authority and some people were, were doing that. So other governors and I have talked about the need uh, to have uh, a panel of experts who can counteract nonsense when it's coming out of these institutions that are not going to just go along with the flow and follow pre-cooked narratives, but will actually do evidence-based analysis. And so uh, in Florida, uh, we're creating uh, what we're calling the Public Health Integrity Committee. It's a committee of expert researchers that will uh, be able to assess uh, recommendations and guidance uh, related to public health and health care, but particularly being able uh, to offer critical assessments of things that uh, uh, bureaucracies like the FDA, CDC, and NIH um, are doing. Uh, we know that there's been a lot of uh, faith destroyed um, in public health, uh, and I think that it's important that uh, we have folks who people actually can rely on when they're looking to answers and when they're looking for guidance on some of these really, really important issues. The people we have today, Bhattacharya, Kaldorf, Hogue, Freeman, uh, Christine Stable-Ben, Weinstein, Templeton, um, are all going to be on this, uh, on this panel. And so I think you're going to see a lot of other states are going to join with us uh, to be able uh, to work. And so it's not just going to be helping Florida. It's going to be helping people all uh, throughout uh, the United States of America. And you see now in some of these enclaves, 
They're talking about masking again. They're talking about masking for flu and RSV. And it's like, we're just not going to put up with this in Florida, and we want to continue to fight back. Speaking in regards to the information that came about during the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, where people were told to stay inside, but George Floyd protesters were allowed to congregate in large groups, DeSantis announced a panel of experts who will counteract nonsense when it's coming out of these institutions like the CDC. Hey, speaking of the CDC, the CDC is urging a return to masks amid triple-demic. Triple-demic, that's right. The Centers for Disease and Control and Prevention, again, is urging people to wear masks indoors. The reason for encouraging mask use is what health officials are calling a triple-demic, the flu, respiratory, syncytial virus, RSV, and COVID-19. The CDC's December 8th report said about 13.7% of Americans live in communities rated high for COVID-19 community levels, up from 4.9% the previous week, this according to The Hill. An additional 38.1% of Americans are in the medium areas and 48.2% are in low areas. We encourage you to wear a high-quality, well-fitting mask to prevent the spread of respiratory illnesses, most especially for those in the 5% of the population currently living in counties with high COVID-19 community level. That was according to Dr. Rochelle Walensky, said last week during a conference call. CDC continues to recommend masking for anyone choosing to travel by plane, train, bus, or other forms of public transportation, or for anyone who may be immunocompromised or increased risk of severe disease. The Hill reported that several major cities are mulling a return to masking mandates. More than 10 counties in California fall under the high areas. Los Angeles County, for example, health officials are recommending that everyone wear masks indoors, Hospitals in L.A. saw an average of 1,245 COVID-positive patients every day, a nearly 20% jump from the previous week. When you put on your mask for these few weeks during this surge, yep, that's all it is, folks, two weeks to flatten the curve, it is about the people of L.A. County. It is about every individual, every visitor, our health care workers, essential workers, and other people who serve. In addition to vaccination, it is one of the easiest things everyone can do right now. This, according to Barbara Ferrer, Los Angeles County Director of Public Health, wrote that on December 9th in a press release. In New York, state officials urged schools to return to indoor masking to curb the spread of respiratory illnesses. Just two weeks, right? And a health advisory notice alerted hospitals, local health departments, emergency rooms, and labs to prepare for rapidly rising cases of respiratory illness. Not only do they want you to mask up, but they're coming for your guns, too. Here's another story. States tighten Second Amendment rules as SCOTUS lifts restrictions. Despite a list of pro-gun rulings by the U.S. Supreme Court over the past 13 years, Reverend Mark Knutson of Portland, Oregon, who has been advocating against gun access, gives one reason for his support of stricter firearm laws. This will save lives, says Knutson, a pastor of Augustana Lutheran Church probably a church you should avoid, and chairman of the Lift Every Voice Oregon Yes on Measure 114 campaign. Knutson was the chief petitioner for of the campaign in support of Oregon Measure 114, which narrowly passed in the midterm election in November. He described the campaign as grassroots and said it was in response to the recent shootings in the United States. It was well-funded campaign based on reports filed with the Oregon Secretary of State's office, 
Lift Every Voice Oregon spent just shy of $2.4 million. The top three contributors of the campaign were Connie Balmer of Bellevue, Washington, who contributed $750,000. Balmer is an Oregon native and married to former Microsoft CEO Steve Balmer. Together, they have started several organizations to support charitable and political causes. The National Education Association, a teacher's union, contributed $500,000, and the 1630 Fund contributed two hundred fifty dollars The 1630 Fund is described by a website, InfluenceWatch.org as a possible dark money fund that supports progressive causes. Nice. When asked about the fund, Knutson pointed out that as a 501c4, it is not required to disclose its donors. He said the fund was set up to help progressive political campaigns. In Oregon, Measure 114 requires Oregonians apply for a permit to purchase firearms along with background checks and certification from a purchaser for passing an approved safety course. The law also requires the state police to compile a firearms database and prohibits the sale of magazines that can hold more than 10 rounds of ammunition. Tom King, president of the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association, is involved in a Second Amendment battle on the opposite side of the country. So from Oregon to New York we go. He denies that safety is motivating New York state officials. Quote, it's all about intimidation, King said. His organization sued New York State over its previous requirement that concealed weapons permit applicants show proper cause, or in other words, a legitimate reason for applying for a concealed firearm permit. According to King, the law was to disarm the populace while making exceptions for the wealthy and politically connected. The original cause made its way to the U.S. Supreme Court this year. In New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, the Supreme Court decided last June that the proper cause requirement was unconstitutional. The court also held that Second Amendment regulations must align with constitutional text and history. In other words, since the Constitution did not mention proper cause and historically this had not been required, the state could not require it either. Almost immediately, Governor Kathy Hochul called the legislature into session to pass the Concealed Carry Improvement Act. The act removed mention of proper clause, but expanded all other requirements. An applicant's social media will be scrutinized and must provide contact information for a list of close family and friends. This is like applying for a job, folks. The CCIA also requires 16 hours of training, including two hours of training on a firing range. In addition, the new law expanded the government's list of sensitive places where it sought to prohibit the carrying of firearms. This includes private property, unless the property owner posts a sign granting permission or is given express permission to the permit holder. Pro-Second Amendment groups, including Virginia-based gun owners of America, sued the state, and a judge found several elements of the new law unconstitutional. However, that judge's ruling is on hold as state officials vow to continue the fights. Speaking of tyranny, the mission of Armored Republic is to honor Christ by equipping free men with tools of liberty necessary to preserve God-given rights. In the Armored Republic, there is no king but Christ. We are free craftsmen. Body armor is a tool of liberty. They create tools of liberty. Free men must remain ever vigilant against tyranny wherever it appears, like New York or Oregon. God has given us the tools of liberty needed to defend the rights he bestowed to us. Armored Republic is honored to offer you those tools. Visit them right now at AR500Armor.com. That's AR500Armor.com. Hey, how about some more tyranny? New Zealand bans cigarettes for all those born after 2009. Kiwis, born after 2009, will not be able to purchase legal cigarettes, according to a new law by Jacinda Ardern's 
Labor Party that seeks to make the country smoke-free. The law would grandfather tobacco use to those born before January 1st of 2009, reports the Daily Mail. This would mean that 50 years from now, one would have to be 63 or older to buy cigarettes in New Zealand. Health authorities are aiming to make the country smoke-free by 2025. The law will also reduce the number of retailers who can sell tobacco by 90%, which would leave just 600 stores. New Zealand's Associate Minister of Health said that the legislation seeks to ban cigarettes from use, saying that, quote, there is no good reason to allow a product to be sold that kills half the people that use it. And I can tell you that we will end this in the future as we pass this legislation, she continued. The New Zealand health system hopes that billions of dollars will be saved by cutting smoking as it causes cancer, increases blood pressure, strokes, and causes a variety of other diseases. Lawmakers voted to pass the legislation 76 to 43. New Zealand's right Wing Act Party, which voted against the bill, said that the corner stores would go out of business without cigarettes to sell. Statistics say that New Zealand has found that 8% of New Zealand adults smoke daily, down from 16% a decade ago. 8.3% of adults vape daily, an increase from 1% six years ago. Indigenous Maori populations smoke more than the average New Zealander, with around one-fifth reporting that they smoke. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the news for today. But before I end today's news brief, I want to stop and take just a moment to talk about someone who is likely very dear to some of you, Mike Lawyer. Just before I came to do this news brief, I received a church email that announced that Dr. Lawyer had passed away and has gone to glory to be with his wife, Eileen, and with our Creator, whom with no doubt is saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Dr. Lawyer was a faithful counselor to many in the Moscow community, but also to many around the world. He would always ask the question of, where is God in all this? To me, Mike was more than just a counselor. He was a dear friend and a father figure. He came into my life during a dark time, and God used him as a tool to reshape me in Christ's image. Mike, all I can say is I love you, and my heart aches at your passing. But I am comforted to know that you are in glory with our Creator and with Eileen. Folks, that's going to do it today for this Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. Again, I would just ask that you pray for the lawyer family, pray for his daughter Rachel, and all those close to him and this Moscow community as we grieve his passing. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and Lord bless. We'll see you next time.